So I'm in Atlanta at the end of a business trip. I'm running late. I'm exhausted. I want to get home. I'm in the bus to the airport. I can't remember which stop is the stop for my airline and the way the airport building is laid out. I can't see the names of the airlines over the curb. So I have to listen for the announcement on the PA system, which should probably be no problem, except that this bus is unbelievably noisy. There's music playing over the speakers, and the driver mumbles into the mic along the way. Thank you for choosing horse. It'll take us about five minutes to reach a terminal. I for your airline. I'm going to stop us. And if you talk to the guy off mic, you discover he sounds exactly the same. So I'm feeling the tension rising inside me. I cannot miss this flight. I have to get up, get at the right stop. And then, finally, the bus pulls to a stop. All the static and the music and the noise suddenly cease. The air clears. And in a brilliantly clear voice, in perfect American English, you hear a recording. This stop is US Airways. Just when you need the information, it comes to you. Until that moment, you have no choice but to trust that it will be there when you need it. Your only alternative is to burn a hole through your stomach worrying about it. God speaks to me on the same kind of schedule. God, when should I talk to Christina about this issue? God, how am I going to pay for my kids' braces? God, if I miss this deadline, I can't enroll in this class. God, look at the calendar. Look at the clock. Look at the stopwatch. We're running out of time. God's not speaking. I'm worried if he does speak up, I'll miss it. I'm not sure I can distinguish between the information I need and the information I'm getting. Everybody, it's, everybody else's input is, is mixed up in there. I want answers now. This is making me crazy. But here's what God says in response to all of this. I'm not as interested in your question as I am in your craziness. The fact that this question is making you crazy does not fit in with my ideal design for your life, Doug. In my design, you're at peace. In the cocoon of your relationship with me, you can live with the unknown because I am absolutely committed to caring for you. You've agreed to be my child. I've adopted you as my own. I'll provide for you. I'll protect you. You have the luxury of totally trusting me. To go crazy over this question is a waste of energy. It's a waste of your emotional power. It's a waste of my provision for you. Okay. Train's coming. Now we need a damsel in distress. It's a Petunia Pure Heart. Okay, so she's minding her own business there until the bad guy comes. Bad guy. Okay, so he grabs her and he ties her up. I want God to speak before I really need him to speak. Come on, God, tell me what's going to happen in this situation. Tell me uh, what's going to happen a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. If I marry this person, how's it going to go? If I take this job, how's it going to be? If I make this move, if I buy here or sell there, what are my chances? Sometimes God answers questions like this, but my experience is more often he remains silent. He gives me an opportunity to learn trust. Not cliche trust like we sing about in hymns and campfire songs, but real, active, everyday trust where I have to consciously believe 
God is preparing for me and providing for me, even when I can't see or hear any activity whatsoever. He says he is. He says he's working in all things for the good of people like me, people who love him. He says in Psalm 91 that he'll rescue me because I love him. He says he'll protect me just because I acknowledge his authority in my life. I don't have to be a brilliant Christian. I don't have to be perfect. Just love him. Look to him as my king and let him handle the rest. Jesus backed up the psalmist. He said in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom, his kingship, and his righteousness, God's design for your life. All these things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow. If I inspect my own thinking, I recognize that I often plead with God for early indicators, you know, advance information, because in reality, I don't trust him in that situation. I'm not resting in his care. I don't believe it's all taken care of. Well, I'm squandering God's investment in me. He is working, caring for me. He has it all under control, and I'm fretting as if he's sleeping on the job. Learning trust will be healthy for me. Waiting to hear God's voice will be good for me. If I learn to trust God in today's situation, it'll stand me in good stead for tomorrow's situation. And sometimes God has a better way of dealing with the situation than I've envisioned. Sometimes while I'm hoping to get direction from God, He's working in the background to solve my problem or advance my situation in a far better way. It's like buying tickets to a Broadway show in New York City. They're obscenely expensive. But if you wait till the last possible moment, you can get fabulous discounts on the seats they haven't sold in advance. You just have to trust that the show you want and the seat you want will be available on the night you want. God has committed himself to putting me, his child, in the best seat, in the best show, on the perfect night. When King David was at his lowest ebb, he could still write, you're a shield around me, Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. In Psalm 18, David tells God what he's finally realized about God's provision for him. You've given me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, help me, help me, what are you doing? You diabolical creature. This is horrible. And puts her on the railroad track. Aha! I'll leave you here tied to the railroad tracks, and when the train comes, it'll cut you into a million pieces. Ha 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 he goes away. Meanwhile, the train's coming. God's not going to be late or inadequate when it comes to caring for us. Jesus confirmed this in Luke 12. He said, aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? And yet, not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. I think the Apostle Peter had learned to live this way and love it. He said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So if I don't hear from God, 
It's not a matter of him being on vacation or taking a sick day or even a coffee break. God is at work. He is taking care of me. Hey, maybe he's not done preparing me, preparing me to, to hear from him, preparing me to take the action he's going to call me to. A friend once said to me, when the student is ready to learn, the teacher appears. You know what? God's on call 24 hours a day. But he doesn't need to answer his phone in order to get busy on my behalf. He knows when I'm going to be screaming even before I dial 911. Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So my asking him for help is an exercise for my benefit to train me to turn to him as my source, to train me to remember that he is my provider, my king. That reinforcement will be healthy for me. Perfecting that perspective will give me a life of deeper and more consistent peace. When I ask God for help, he is not obligated to give me a clear answer immediately. He has obligated himself to answer me in whatever mode will be best for me in the long run. And that may involve delay. It may mean I have to wait till the shuttle bus stops at my gate. In the meantime, I'm learning to trust, to be the servant instead of the master. God even worked this way with the prophet Daniel. He gave Daniel an incredible vision of the future, made him write it all down. But Daniel was clueless as to what it all meant. He says in Daniel 12, I heard, but I didn't understand. So I asked, Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? And he replied, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. In other words, my purpose right now is for you to not know, for you to have partial information, for you to have the question, not the answer. Oh, help me! Help me! Somebody help me! Then comes... Our hero, Dudley Do-Right, to the rescue. He's out racing the train. Just at the last minute, he grabs her and pulls her off the track. And the train goes roaring by. My hero, you arrived just in the nick of time. Eventually, the answers come. Yeah, sometimes God's perfect moment to speak is the last possible moment. Abraham was directed by God to sacrifice his own son, Isaac. He got all the way to the point of taking hold of the knife before an angel stopped him. Last second rescue. Isaac got another chance at life. James Blake Colburn was scheduled to be executed by lethal injection at 6 p.m. At 5.59, just one minute before his execution, he got a phone call from the Supreme Court. Reprieved. A last second rescue, another chance at life. In the city of Abha, in the south of Saudi Arabia, a young man was scheduled to be beheaded in the public square as punishment for killing his friend in an argument. He'd already spent five years in prison hoping and praying for a pardon. Under Saudi law, if the father of the murder victim would forgive him, his life would be spared. But for five years, the father of the dead man remained silent. 
And then with only moments to spare, as the executioner prepared to do his duty, the father of the murder victim began shouting for the execution to be halted. He would forgive. He would give that young man another chance. Last second rescue. But God knows the end from the beginning, the Bible tells us. So the last minute doesn't feel last minute to him. He planned ahead for the angel to step in. He had a ram stuck in the bushes and ready to substitute for the sacrifice. God knew the Supreme Court was going to rule for a reprieve. God knew the old man would forgive his son's killer at the last minute. Thomas Gordy puts it this way. The last minute is always the present moment. Regardless of how you look at it, God is always present in every last minute. He's working continuously, and he is all-powerful. So the last minute is just as good a time for him as any. And when God does speak, it probably won't be in an audible voice. It'll probably be simply an impression in my spirit. We looked at Psalm 91 a moment ago. In the very next line of that psalm, God goes on to say that if I call on him, he will answer me. But how? Here's how he puts it. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. God may well work on my behalf. He, he may actually answer me simply by being with me through the trouble and delivering me out of it to the place I'm in now. He may answer me by changing my situation suddenly and dramatically or by changing my situation gradually or subtly, or by changing my own attitude about my circumstances, or by challenging me to make a change in my own behavior. I hate it when that happens. God spoke for 23 solid years through the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel until finally Jeremiah said, you know what, this is not working. For 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I've spoken to you again and again, but you haven't listened. I think a lot of times God is answering me, but I'm not tuned in. He's answering me through the scriptures, but I don't like what I read there. He's speaking through my conscience, but I don't like what I feel there. He's talking. He's guiding. He's on the job, but I'm foolishly grasping and clutching and worrying. He's promised me peace. He's arranged for me to receive this gift. He's committed the whole array of his supernatural resources to my well-being, and he's planted his own spirit within my heart, and yet I haven't unwrapped the gift. I'm still struggling and choking with fear of the future instead of trusting God. Oh, and then this guy says at the very last, scene of the movie. Curses, spoiled again. Arr. It's true love. And that's how it actually works in real life, don't you agree? The psalmist went down this road. He finally saw this foolishness for what it was. I will listen to what God the Lord will say, Psalm 85, 8 says. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. That's how I'm praying I'll learn to live, listening to God, living in his peace, and not going back to the foolishness of worry. And then the reality is sometimes my deadline comes and goes and 
God still hasn't spoken in a way I understand. But in God's view, there was no deadline. I saw it as urgent. He knew better. His answer is, Doug, just keep hanging on. I'm working on the big picture, and you're a part of that. Job was anxious for relief from his pain, but God had a bigger, better plan that Job couldn't see. A plan that in the short term looked and sounded and felt like he had forgotten Job. Paul would have welcomed a last-second reprieve from the chopping block. But God's calendar called for the apostle to come on home that day. His work on earth was finished. Jesus went to the cross. The time for being saved from the trouble came and went without any last-minute rescue from God. Even Jesus gave the Father ample opportunity to make something happen, rewrite the script, let him off the hook. But God had a bigger plan, a better plan, a plan that in the short term looked and sounded and felt like he had forsaken his child, abandoned him forever. He hadn't, but it looked and sounded and felt that way. Maybe you've heard this saying, it'll be all right in the end. If it isn't all right, then it isn't the end. We won't get the ultimate answers in this life. We won't get the final because to our lifelong whys until we get to heaven. Sometimes, for whatever reason I can't figure out, God decides that it's better to remain silent than to answer my cries for action. Better to wait than to meet my deadline. Maybe someone else is praying for something, but if God answered their prayer, he would have to limit me, restrict me, manipulate me, take away some of my freedom. And he won't do that to anybody. So he won't give me what I'm praying for either, if it will manipulate someone else and undermine their freedom. God is more committed to our free will than to our comfort. He's more committed to our free will than to our understanding. My perception of what's most important becomes skewed by my circumstances. But God's perception never gets skewed. Psalm 147 says his understanding has no limit. That's why I can trust him. Yeah, I can feel like a long haul, but God has promised to strengthen me while I'm trudging along, learning to trust Him. Isaiah recognized this in Isaiah 40, 28. He says, sure, His understanding no one can fathom, but he immediately goes on to say, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles, and they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. While I'm waiting for God to speak, for God to act, I can ask Him for strength. He's promised it. And I may as well access it. So what's your deadline? What's your stress point right now? Are you hoping to hear from God about a situation in your family? God's at work. Let's trust Him together. He has your answer already in mind. Or are you asking God to speak to you about a work-related decision that you need to make and it feels like you're running out of time? 
You can trust him to guide you in that decision. He's been at work in your workplace all along, and he's still at work there. He has your answer underway already. Or is it a medical situation and you feel the clock ticking? Let's trust God to be telling the truth about how totally, beautifully, he has placed us under the shadow of his wings, in the cleft of the rock, to meet our every need. He sees the end from the beginning. And when he gives you the perfect answer, it will be perfectly timed. Are you struggling with a relationship, a habit, a secret? Are you troubled by a mistake you made or maybe a mistake you're thinking about making? Are you dealing with your kids or your grandkids or a parent or a grandparent? Financial trouble? What's eating you? God's already there for you. There's no nick of time with him. He's committed to you. And before it's too late, he will answer your cry. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you are out ahead of us and even when we feel all panicky, you still love us totally and you're caring for us, seeing the end from the beginning. Thank you for the completeness of your love for us, but help us to lean back and, and uh, live in that love. Teach us trust. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.